All right, here we go. We, uh, we're on part seven of our study on foundations and welcome to everybody that's watching us on Facebook as well. Uh, we got our little setup. I want, I want you to kind of have some input this, this evening. Uh, kind of got you closer pulling into me a little bit. We've been going through Hebrews 6, 1 and 2 and looking at these six foundations. Remember, uh, repentance, faith, we've, we've covered that. We, you know, I keep wanting to go back into those. Uh, there's so much the scripture says about repentance and so much it says about faith. Uh, spend a little bit more time on baptisms just because it's probably, I just kind of feel like we just needed to, to get, kind of get a little bit firmer foundation. We're going to talk about laying on the hands next. Hopefully next week we get through this tonight. Resurrection and eternal judgment. So these are foundations. When it says that, it's talking about these are fundamental truths that we build our lives on. Uh, this idea of baptisms, remember that? It's plural. So we're looking at, right now, we've looked at baptism as cleansing. We've looked at the baptism of John, the baptism of, of Jesus and in the believer's baptism. Now we're talking about baptism with the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's just kind of jump right into here. Uh, we, we covered some of this last week, but I want us to, tonight to take a little bit of a trip through the book of Acts. We're just going to kind of look at it, and I would like to do it all in one setting just to kind of give you that, that uh, lump of uh, understanding or knowledge right in one setting if we can, Lord willing. So this idea of baptizing is to, to immerse or submerge. Now, we know what it is to baptize in water, but it's said of Jesus that he would come and baptize us with the Holy Spirit. So there's the baptism in water where we immerse folks in water. Jesus comes to immerse us into the life of the Spirit. Also, the New Testament oftentimes, and we're going to run across some of that today, uh, this idea of being filled with the Spirit. You've heard people talk about Spirit-filled, and unfortunately those have kind of become divisive terms and denominational terms and things like that. Uh, but I just really want to hear what the scripture says. I, I, we're not trying to be like anybody else or do anything else. We want to hear what the word says, and let's build our life on that, right? Now, the idea of being filled with the Spirit, you know, Paul said that. He said, do not be drunk with wine because that's an excess or that's a waste of your life, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Now, this word filled right here, that, that simply means to, to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit where, where he's, not, he's, he's the dominant influence in your life. Uh, that also means to be filled with the Spirit is to, is to have the supply of the Spirit. And we know He comes with many gifts and abilities and things of that nature as well. Uh, I like this idea of furnish. When you're filled with the Spirit, He furnishes you. Kind of like a house that's, that's ready to be moved in and it's got all the furniture there. It's got everything that you need for all of your, your functions and, and comfort and all the things that you need in your home. Well, the Holy Spirit does that in our life for our ministry and who we are. He comes to thoroughly furnish us with all the good things that God has in store for us. All right? So let's, let's get in Acts chapter 1. We looked at this last week, but I want you to hear it again. Verse 4 and 5 and just, just verse 8. We're going to kind of skip through some of this. This is Jesus right before he's ascended. Now, you don't have the, the text in your notes today. I just got it printed out here. This is what I want. Well, we'll get to that in just a moment. You're, you're going to have all kinds of stuff right there. Just pretty much blank sheet for your uh, uh, notes. You write what, you, what strikes you and what you need to to go back and maybe review on your own. Jesus is about to be ascended into heaven. He's about to ascend into heaven. He says this, And being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them, these disciples that are there, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. In other words, I've, I've taught you about this idea, the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit, who is to come. You've heard about this. I've taught it these three years I've been with you. I've been teaching this. You've heard me talk about it. For John truly baptized with water. John the baptizer now. 
but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then verse number eight, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So what, what is the expectation of Jesus for the disciples when they receive this, this endowment of power, when they receive the Holy Spirit? What, what's his expectation? That they're going to be witnesses because they're going to be empowered in a way that they have yet to experience. Now, they've experienced a ton with Jesus. You think about all the things they've, they've witnessed and walked through with him. And in fact, they've gone out from time to time and laid hands on people, saw them healed, all kinds of things. And remember, they came back with all these wonderful stories and, and they were all excited about it. So they've seen a lot of things already. But this is something new and different that Jesus said, because I'm going away I'm going to send the comfort of the Holy Spirit. He's going to come and be with you. So Jesus expects them to receive power so that they will be empowered to be his witnesses, right? All right. Now, when we, we look at these scriptures here, we're going to just kind of walk through several stories in the book of Acts. And, and you know, the book of Acts is, is an amazing book. I don't know if you've read it lately. It is just so wonderful. It's so filled with all kinds of incredible stories, really. It spans about a 40-year period over the, the life of the, the first church, the, the New Testament church, about 40 years. And it's going to center a lot on Peter, and, and then that, towards the middle to the end, it's going to center a lot on Paul. But just amazing stories. Now, when you, when you hear these stories, I, I want you to look for these, these five things. And I think I've got them written on, on your page there, starting in Acts chapter 2, all the things that, that I want you to hear and see, at least, at least this much. You, you're probably going to see a lot more. But I want you to see what they heard, they're going to hear something, they're going to be filled, they're going to be filled with, it's going to actually say it in the text, they're going to be filled, they're going to speak, certain things are going to start coming out of their mouth because Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Well, now we know that works both to the positive, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, good things come out of your mouth, but what if you're filled with anger and bitterness? If your heart's filled with that anger and bitterness, what's going to come out of your mouth? Anger and bitterness, just bad stuff. If your heart's full of all kinds of hopelessness and despair, uh, you know, all that kind of thing, you're going to talk negative and down about all that kind of stuff. So it's a universal principle, both for the good and the bad, that whatever is in your heart comes out of your mouth. That's why you can kind of tell about a brother a little bit. <laughs> they're going to speak some things. And they're going to have some power. There's going to, these, these believers are going to demonstrate power. It's going to be some pretty incredible things that happen through their hands and through their lives. And then there's going to be some results that you're going to see. God does some miraculous stuff. Awesome. So let's, let's just kind of review the day of Pentecost. We looked at that again. But, but think about those, those five things as we go through here. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. That's all a miracle all by itself, isn't it? <laughs> That 120 people getting along marvelously. That's good. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, or these divided flames as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues or tongues or languages at this particular time as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, do you see those, those five things right there? They heard something. What did they hear? There was a rushing mighty wind. Wasn't it? It was, and and it's, it's, it was a sound from heaven. They heard something from heaven. 
Now, Jesus had just been ascended. And he sent the Holy Spirit. And he came with a sound. He comes speaking. He came with a sound. And, and was there something filled? Well, the house was filled, but also the people were filled, right? And, and, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, it says, right? Okay, and then they began to speak. As they got filled with the Holy Spirit, it says they began to speak in other tongues. I don't have time to read it, but it says that when they, they spoke in these other languages, well, that's, that's really what that word means. It's, it, it was understandable. These were languages that they haven't learned. They didn't have any schooling on these languages. All of a sudden, miraculously, God empowered them to speak these other languages. And, and there in the text, it, it gives the different nationalities and different languages that they begin to speak. And it says this, when they spoke those other languages, they spoke the mighty wonders of God. You think about it, it was, it was just incredible. It was incredible for the 120, much less for the crowd that was hearing all this stuff because they were speaking French with an Alabama Southern accent. How about that? Because <laughs> they, they were like, all these people are from Galilee. What, what's happening here? They, it's kind of weird. They weren't speaking French, but you know what I'm talking about. You see what I'm so you get the idea. As, as we walk through this next story, now we, we could spend a lot more time. We spent a healthy bit of time last week on, on Acts chapter 2. Let's go to this next, next story here in the book of Acts. Acts 4, 7 through 10. We're going to look at Peter here. Now, Peter, was he, was he there on the day of Pentecost? Yeah. Well, certainly. He, he was the main speaker, wasn't he? He, he gave the message, and then 3,000 people came into the kingdom uh, right there. In fact, I had to interrupt the preacher in order to get them all saved. How about that? <laughs> that was a couple, few times. Verse 7, Acts 4. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? What, what in the world is he talking about? What have they done? What have they been doing? Well, if we were to back up a chapter, we would see that they went to the temple that one day and they healed this man. That's the story where it says silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Remember that story? And the man, it says immediately his ankle bones received strength. Boom, and he got up and walked and went into the temple, leaping and jumping and praising God. I bet he did. That's a good day for him, right? He went from... Uh, beggar to blessed immediately. I mean, just from lame to healed, just immediately in the name of Jesus. Well, you would think everybody in town would be glad the guy got healed. But just like it was in Jesus' ministry, it, it, that's not the case. These guys come out of the woodwork and, and they arrest them. Okay, they've, they've, they've got them on trial right here. This is what this is. By what power, by what name have you done this healing? And then Peter speaks up and it says this, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. Now he's standing in front of, it's probably the Sanhedrin that he's standing in front of, which is the governing body of Jerusalem right there. Now, it wasn't too long ago. In fact, it was just probably about, I would say, 50 plus days ago. Peter wasn't quite this bold, was he? <laughs> 50 plus days ago when Jesus was crucified, and died, Peter was denying Jesus. 
But now, look, look, something's happened to him. He's, this man has been transformed. I mean, he got, he got a lot of healing with Jesus at that campfire. Remember when Jesus basically forgave him, really? And told him to continue on, go feed the sheep, feed my lambs. And now this happens to him on the day of Pentecost. Peter receives something else that absolutely emboldens him. And, and in fact, in verse number eight right there, it says that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now that could mean one of two things. That could mean that he was a man that was filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And he was walking around as a man full of the Holy Spirit. Or it could mean that in the moment that he got to where he needed to be, the Holy Spirit filled him and furnished him with everything that he needed in that moment. Kind of a prophecy fulfilled here of Jesus. Remember Jesus said when they bring you up before all the, the magistrates and the judges, and they, they, they don't worry about what you're going to say because you will know exactly what to say. This is what's happening in this moment. I, I tell you those two things. I don't, I don't think they're in contradiction. with you. I think it's, they're both true. Peter's a man that's filled with the Holy Spirit. But when he got in that moment, this is just how the Holy Spirit works. When he got in that moment, the Holy Spirit supplied him, filled him, gave him, furnished him with exactly what he needed in that particular moment. Quickened his mind, helped him out, came to his rescue. All right. So here, here, that's just an example of, of a man operating, being full of the Holy Spirit or being a Spirit-filled man. All right. Now, let's, let's go to this, this other story. The same continuation basically so peter had been on the day of pentecost he got filled with the spirit at this particular time and then now look at acts 4 29 through 31 they're at a prayer meeting now okay same chapter just just a little bit of continuation of the story they get released okay because these guys don't know what to do with them they, they can't deny the miracle and the people love it because this man's been healed and they just they release them let them go but they tell them Look, don't be doing this anymore. Don't be healing people in Jesus' name no more. And Peter basically tips his hat to him and says, oh, okay, should we obey you or God? We're out of here. You know, we're, this is where he goes. He goes to, to, his, to, to some fellow believers and they have a prayer meeting. And look at what they pray. And look what happens. It's amazing. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, didn't they just, they were just told by the police. <laughs> the police, you know, that, that's when they're after you. It's the police when they're good guys. When they're after you, it's the police. Y'all don't know the difference. I don't know. Y'all been in church too long. <laughs> uh, they had just been warned by all the, the politicians not to do this. And then Peter goes into a prayer meeting and said, I know the pressure's on and the warfare started and they said not to do it, but I want you to give us, Lord, give us more power to do what you called us to do. This is the very thing that got them in trouble, what they're praying for. How about that? <laughs> the boy ain't scared, is he? He just ain't scared. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken now think about that. I mean, I mean, they were in somebody's home, probably, more than likely, in somebody's home. And all of a sudden, the whole place just shakes and quakes. That's, I mean, I, I guess it was God showing up. I don't know what it was. But the whole place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, so it's telling us a little bit of something about this wonderful relationship that we have available to us with the Holy Spirit. 
is that it's not a one and done. It's not just an experience that you have and then you just move on your merry little way. This is something that is a need in our lives continually for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Somebody say we need to be filled continually because we leak. <laughs> We're crackpots and we just kind of leak, you know. But, but Peter is here. It's just a, a, a few days. We're not sure on time frames right here, but it's just a few days after Pentecost, it seems. Maybe a few weeks, maybe. Not sure, but it's, it's just a short period of time from Pentecost. And now in, on two different occasions, this man has been filled with the Holy Spirit. So, so there's this ongoing need in relationship in our life. It's not that, yeah, oh, yeah, I got that. It's not how it works. And if you get in situations like this that absolutely demand more of you than you have, that's where Peter's living. Peter's living on that edge, on that razor edge, to where if God doesn't show up, he's not going to be around very long. You know what I'm talking about? Now, do you see there's, there's this, this place is shaken, and they were all filled. The Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, they were all filled with something. We talked about those five little words right there, right? Now, what, 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 there's something spoken here? They were filled with the Holy Spirit? Did they speak anything? They began to speak the Word of God with boldness. I like that idea with boldness, because that, that seems to be one of those attributes. Now, that's not meanness. That's not unkindness. That, that's not rudeness. Bold in the scripture is not, not when it's a good attribute. It's not, not talking about bold means you're just not afraid. You're just going to speak the truth, but you're going to speak it in love. I mean, Peter is standing before them talking, even when he, he talks to the, to the uh, officials before. He seems to be very respectful, actually. But you can be respectful and bold. You don't have to be rude and bold. You know what I'm talking about? I think we need to learn that in our society again. It seems like, don't we? So you see this idea. Now, this... The, this idea of being filled. Now let's go to Samaria right here. We might get through some of this tonight. All right. There's a lot, lot here. I just want you to see it. That's all. Let's go to Samaria in Acts chapter 8. Now, we've been studying another guy on Sunday who was in Samaria. Who, what's his name? Elijah. And we're, we're, who, who, lived, who was the king that lived in Samaria? Ahab. Ahab. He was from Samaria. So this, this, this particular region has always had a lot of trouble. Jesus went and visited there, the woman at the well in Samaria. Now, remember the book of Acts, you shall be witnesses unto me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. So now they're going to go into this other phase of, of, of the mission and go into Samaria. This is kind of enemy territory for them. Now I want you to see these things about did they hear something? Did they, were they filled with something? Did they speak something? What kind of power was released? Okay, what kind of power and what were the results? Listen to this. But when they believed the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. And they were baptized in water is what it seems to be talking about right here. Then Simon himself also believed. Now, who is this guy, Simon? Well, Simon was a sorcerer in this particular area. Okay. He was a powerful man from what it says. Then Simon himself also came to faith in Christ. He also believed. Okay. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. Now, this is probably Philip from Acts chapter 6. He's one of, the, one of the deacons that was there. You remember Stephen, Philip, and, and several other deacons that were mentioned there in, in the Acts chapter 6? This is Philip the deacon, not Philip the apostle. Philip, and was amazed, he continued with Philip, this, this guy Simon, who was a, a former sorcerer, sorcerer, and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. A lot of stuff going on, a lot of people getting healed. Now, when the apostles 
who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Peter and John, remember that? Remember Peter, James, and John, Peter, John? Uh, you know, they, Peter, James, uh, excuse me, Peter and John were part of Jesus' inner circle, right? Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he, the Holy Spirit, had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. That's interesting, isn't it? A lot of days, a lot of stuff happening too. So Philip goes and he preaches the gospel to them, basically. He goes as, as the evangelist. He goes and he, he basically brings, brings them into the kingdom and they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then Peter and John come, Peter and John come and, and they minister to these men, these people about the Holy Spirit. And it says that they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. I, I want you to see what what's laid out right here, just plain and simple. There was the experience of salvation and then there was the experience of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You see that? Not, no trickery here. It's just plain and simple right there. Don't you see it as two separate experiences? It's actually different people that happen. Okay? You see what I'm talking about? It's interesting too. Now we're going to talk a little bit about laying on of hands. That they laid hands on these folks. Peter and John laid hands and prayed over them and they received the Holy Spirit. Okay. Questions, comments before we move on? They didn't have to ask. They didn't have to ask? They didn't have to ask. They just laid their hands on them. Well, I mean, I, it, it's, it's, I think it's understood that they were receptive, you know, that the people were receptive, you know. Um, but the apostles that came, they, they knew that the Holy Spirit, it says right there, the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen upon any of them. They'd only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Baptized in water, basically. And baptized in the faith kind of thing. And then they laid hands and they received the Holy Spirit. Okay? Good? All right, I just want you to see it. This, this in, it's right there in your Bible. All right? So, do, do you receive the Holy Spirit when you're saved? Well, certainly. He comes and lives in you. This is where doctrinally it gets a little sticky for everybody. So what happens at the point of salvation where your sins are forgiven, you're ushered into the kingdom, and the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you? That's, that's pretty plain and simple according to, to Paul's understanding of what happens at the point of salvation. So why would there be a need to receive the Holy Spirit and have the hands of the apostles laid upon them? Why would there be a need? Well, obviously, he must be talking about a whole new, different experience other than, or in addition to salvation. Let's say it like that. I'm just saying. Isn't that kind of plain and simple? You okay with that? All right. I think Wesley and some others called it the second work of grace. You know, have you ever heard that kind of, the second work of grace or an additional work of grace kind of thing? Verse 18, and when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, it's about to get rough on him, that the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. Hmm. He ain't been saved that long, you know. He ain't been to church that much, you know. <laughs> How much does this cost? Lord, boy, you're about to get it. Saying this, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. And then Peter speaked up, said to him, 
Your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. Oh, Peter ain't playing no more, is it? For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Probably the love of money, probably. Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. Mercy, have mercy on me. I'm new to this, (laughs) you know. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. That's a good time in Samaria. Things starting to happen over there, right? All right, let's go to Paul's experience right here. Acts 9, verse 10. This is Paul. Acts chapter 9 is his road to Damascus experience. Well, we wish we had time to read the whole thing. It's certainly worthy of, of our attention. Remember Paul, also known as Saul, Saul of Tarsus, right? In chapter 8, we see him there at the stoning of Stephen, remember? He's the one, it seems like he's the one in charge of it. They came and laid their coats down as if he was giving permission for everybody to be a part of this man's murder, basically. It was his his execution. Paul was there. He has an experience with God, with Jesus actually, has an experience with Jesus that changes him forever. Just one encounter, boom. Okay, I have to. I have to believe now. I don't. I don't know. There's no commentary on it at all. But I believe the way Stephen preached that day and the way Stephen died that day had quite an impact on him. I mean, Stephen's last words as he's getting pummeled with rocks and stones. I mean, stones probably the size of your hand. As he's getting pummeled, his his last words are, "Forgive them." That had quite an impact on somebody. And I'm sure it did on Paul that day. So, verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. God said, I got him in a position now. He's praying for sure now. He's blind, actually. He's been blinded by the light. You ever blinded by the light? Paul was, literally. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. His reputation is real now. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, the kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered that house. And laying his hands on Paul, he said, Brother Saul, Saul Paul, same guy. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes 
something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized, probably baptized in water at that moment. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Man went through a real change. I mean, just in just a couple days. I mean, he was, he was blind, I believe, for three days. So just in about four days time, something like that, this man was absolutely transformed. Now, there's no way for us to, to and I hate to say this, but we can understand it. This would be like Osama bin Laden getting saved. You know, that, that's, he, was a, he was a terror to Christians. In fact, Ananias said, uh-uh, man, uh-uh. What in the world? I heard a lot of stories about this dude. He's a bad dude now. And he's got, he's got a license to do this stuff. We, mm, you go. Take care of it. Now, my interest is really in verse 17 at the bottom right here. The Lord has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's going to change this man's life. God's going to empower you with something you never even thought about. Now, did that man live a powerful life? Outside of the Lord Jesus, probably the most powerful life that's ever been lived, as far as for the kingdom of God. Hmm. Now, there's no mention of manifestations or anything that happened in his life in that moment, and there's no mention of him except, did he speak anything? He heard this voice. He heard, you heard the, he heard Jesus. He heard what Ananias had to say. He was filled with the Spirit that day. Did he speak anything? Well, there's no mention of speaking in tongues. You can't, can't put that in the text. It's not there. But did he speak? He went preaching, didn't he? He went and preaching Christ. And where did he go? He went preaching Christ. Where did he go? The synagogues. That's where, that's where the Jews worshipped, basically. He went right to his people, preaching in the synagogue. Now, that takes a lot of boldness now to go into a place. Either they just don't know about Jesus or they're hostile to Jesus. You know, And he knows probably most of these people in these synagogues, at least the leadership, I'm sure. So he did speak. Something did, he, he began to preach Christ, didn't he? He began to speak to people about Jesus. Now, What's, what's the power? What, what kind of power came out of his life? I mean, you know what? He, he's still having fruit produced in us. I mean, there's just a ton of power that God has used this man in such a way to bring transformation to countless millions. Just the writing of your New Testament. He wrote, wrote over half of it. See what I'm talking about? And the results are going to impact eternity. All right. We could talk much, much more about all that, but let's, let's move to the next story. Just got a couple more here. Acts 10. Let's go to Cornelius' house. Okay? So now to the ends of the earth. We're going to Cornelius. He's a Gentile. He's an Italian soldier. Okay? Peter's there. Remember, Peter had the vision about the, the sheet or the cell that was there and had all the different kinds of animals in it. And, and the Lord said, rise, kill, and eat. Remember that? And Peter spoke up and said, look, I don't eat unclean food. And the Lord said, what I've cleansed, you don't call unclean. Go to Cornelius' house. He's a Gentile, okay? Gentiles and Jews do not mix in this particular age, okay? They don't, they don't go, I mean, especially God's stuff. They don't mix that water because they're pagans, okay? 
So while Peter was there at Cornelius' house, we could talk a lot about what, all the stuff that happened. It's pretty amazing because this whole house gets saved. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word in Cornelius' house now. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. Those who were with Peter, the Jewish folks that were with Peter, the circumcision. They were astonished that the Holy Spirit fell upon as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Them Jews said, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I'm serious. We've been working with Abraham and the covenants and the law of Moses and all this stuff. And now, boom, really? That's, it's quite a shock to them that God would bless the Gentiles the same way he did the Jews. That This actually will be the lion's share of Paul's ministry will be doing this, poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them, the people that were in that room, in that home, they heard them, Cornelius' people, speak with tongues and magnify God. And then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Now who's the we just as we? Who's the we? The Jews, 120 that was on the day of Pentecost, right? They received it. They received the Holy Spirit. And it says this, this experience happened just like that at Cornelius' house. Woo. Lord is doing something new. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. So they came to Cornelius' house, preached the gospel, talked about Jesus, led them into, this, led them into to salvation. Prayed for him to receive the Holy Spirit, and boom, it happened. It all happened all in one fell swoop. Boom. It just all happened right then. Okay? So the, the experience wasn't... See, we just saw an experience in Samaria that was like salvation. Then later, they, let, they come. The, Peter and John came and laid hands on them and prayed for them, and they received the Holy Spirit. This one happens like all in one fell swoop. Okay? What, you, what I want you to see now... Not to, not to take you down the, the primrose path. You figure it out yourself. You take these scriptures and just read it. And if I'm right, I'm right because I agree with it. If I'm wrong, it's because I've missed something. But you, what you're going to find out, unlike what we try to do today, you're, you're going to see that there's really no real pattern to it. It's not like A plus B equals C. It's that God does it this way over here. God does it this way over here. God does it this way over here. And that's just the way he is. You couldn't pin Jesus down on a lot of stuff. I mean, he, he would heal a person this kind of way, and then he'd heal another person this kind of way. What I'm saying is, this is a dynamic relationship between God and his people, and it is not a formula. We, we tend, as Westerners, as, as Americans, we tend to boil everything down to a formula. Well, that's not how relationships work, are they? All right. Cornelius, right? That's a big day. The big day in history. You and I are part of the, the New Testament church because of what happened on that day. You realize that? This was a groundbreaking day. Okay. Not to mention, it's probably, scholarship differs, it's probably somewhere around the stage of about 10 years after Pentecost right now. I mean, that's not, we don't know exactly, but it's, it's, a, it's a length of period of time. It's a pretty decent period of time since the day of Pentecost. Okay? Verse 13. All right, Paul's going to encounter another sorcerer here. 
And isn't that interesting? Just in a few few chapters and encounters, there's another witch, another sorcerer that's going to be there. The stuff is uh, it's still around today now. Verse number six of thirteen. It says that now when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar Jesus. How about that? The witch is named <laughs> Son of Jesus. Bar simply means son. Son of Jesus or Jesus or Yeshua, who was with the proconsul or the governor or the mayor. Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul, the governor, away from the faith. Okay, so he's, he's playing block. There's all kinds of warfare going over this man's life. This man is, is some kind of Roman appointment. He's a, he's a Roman official in this particular city. I've been to this particular city before. And Sergius Paulus. Now, he saw, now, this man is going to become Saul's first convert. And then Saul will change his name to Paul. There's speculation. I'm not saying there's doctrine or anything like that. It's very likely that Paul adopted the name of his first convert. After he was saved. Think about that. It's kind of interesting. We, we just kind of learned that when we were in that particular city. Walking through that site one day. They were trying to turn him away from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him, at this sorcerer, and said, O fool of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness. Just tell me how you feel, will you? <laughs> Will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him. You ought to read your Bible sometime. This is pretty crazy stuff, ain't it? And he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. I mean, it hit him like a ton of bricks. Oh boy, <laughs> where'd everybody go? Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's... Power on power right there. He had the dark power. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Now it's very likely now, it's very likely because of the way they operated that this Sergius Paulus guy, where is he? This Sergius Paulus guy, that this, this sorcerer, Elymas, it's very likely he was like one of his advisors or servants. It's very likely. You know, because they, they used all that kind of stuff all the time. Now, what, what, what was I wanting to look? Verse 9. Paul also, Saul also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked at him intently. That's what I want you to see, mostly. Filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, Paul right there at that particular moment in time was furnished with something, a gift of discerning of spirits. Because whoever this sorcerer was, he was just kind of following around and kind of trying, to, trying to block everything. And Paul got a discernment from the Holy Spirit, discerning of spirits, just that gift there. And he saw a demon is what he saw. And he bound it up. You heard it, you, full of all deceit, all fraud, you son of the devil, you evil of righteousness, you pervert. Perverting the ways of the Lord, you know, perverting everything. We might need some preachers to start talking like that, huh? 
But it's not going to happen if we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. It takes a lot of courage to do that because you don't know how this man who's in power, how he's going to react. He don't have a clue at this point. This man might be his best friend for all he knows. But Paul's not scared because he's filled, filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, just see that. I just want you to see that idea of him being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gave him exactly what he needed in that moment in time. Okay? It's pretty crazy, isn't it? You read those kind of stories. I mean, that man was struck blind. How you feel? I go, this is later on in that chapter. And we're almost done here. We're almost done. Later on in the same chapter, Acts 13, 49 through 52. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them from their region. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. And it says this, amongst all this persecution and all this other good stuff that's happening too, it says, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. See that idea? <laughs> I like it when it comes like that. Filled with joy. I like that. We need more of that. And filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? And last but not least, listen to this. Verse, Acts 19. Verse 1 through 7. We're going to Ephesus now. Remember the, the letter to the Ephesians? It's written to this city. Okay? And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth. Apollos is, is uh, one of the New Testament preachers, powerful speaker evidently. Uh, he was loved by a lot of people. That Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, listen to the question he asked these disciples, these, these people who, who seem to be people of, the, of faith as he comes into the city of Ephesus. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's a good question. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. We're not even sure what you're talking about. And I find that there's a lot of people in the body of Christ that, in, that, in that idea. We're not even sure what you're speaking of with these things. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? You seem to be good guys. You're very receptive of us. Something's up. Y'all know something. What do you know? They said, into John's baptism. John who? John the Baptist. Okay, but now we're in, we're in Turkey, you know, on the coast of Turkey right there in Ephesus. John's ministry has reached from Israel all the way over here. That's, that's pretty neat. That's pretty amazing. They were baptized into John's baptism, which, which was a baptism of repentance, which was a baptism of, of, of getting prepared for something else that God was going to do. And then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. They were baptized in water, most likely. Baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, the men were about 12 in all. Anybody else we know had like 12 men? <laughs> the Holy Spirit came upon them. Paul baptized them in water in the name of the Lord Jesus, laid hands on them, kind of a separate thing, but kind of all in one experience, but kind of a separate type ministry Paul was doing. 
The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. Now this speaking in tongues thing now shows up again. These people spoke with tongues. Now, was it like the day of Pentecost where they spoke all these other kind of languages? We're, not, we're just not sure. There was probably not a need for it. All the people of Ephesus spoke, spoke the same tongue, spoke the same language. Something happened with their speech. They began to speak different. They began to speak some kind of heavenly thing, it seems like. Kind of what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13, 14, especially chapter 14, talking about praying in tongues. And they prophesied. It's almost universal now. It's almost universal. They hear something, hear a message. They're filled with the Holy Spirit and they speak. It's almost universal with all the stories we've read. There's something always, when God comes in, now how, how can that not happen? How can God not come into your life in this kind of way and it not change everything about you and especially the way you talk? It's got to, you know, it's got to. And what, were, what was the power? What was the power here? Well, well they, they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. The Holy Spirit began to give them gifts immediately. Hmm. What was the results? Well, a great church was built in, in Ephesus over the course of time. Paul stays there somewhere around two years or so. A couple different trips. Questions, comments before we go? I just want you to see all this kind of. We just kind of walk right through the book of Acts, just just kind of showing you these stories. My my goal was everywhere that I saw filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized with the Holy Spirit. I want I wanted you to see these stories of what's happening. Okay. Now what should what should our response be to these kind of things? Are they just neat stories? Well, they can be. They can just be neat stories as a part of our history as 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 the church. Or are they kind of like signs about what's available? About what can happen in our lives? We should all want to receive Exactly. We, we, we should all desire. There, there ought to be something when you read the book of Acts. Because it's a powerful thing. But I, the book of Acts is not this rosy thing that's happening. The book of Acts is hard. The people live difficult lives. They're in situations and, and in, a, in a culture that absolutely hates them almost all, all over the place. It is, there's persecution. We see a lot of power in the book of Acts, but there's a lot of persecution there too. Some really good men in the book of Acts who are filled with the Spirit die. It seems like untimely deaths as far as we're concerned. They die quick. I mean, Philip, I mean, excuse me, uh, Stephen is one of them. Just a young man, rising star in the church, seems like. If I can use that terminology, just a rising powerful man, and then boom, he just cut off, boom, right in the middle of his life. You know, a lot of crazy stuff happens. A lot of signs, a lot of healings, a lot of things happening. But there's a heavy price. Paul pays a heavy price to do all this. So I don't, I don't want to paint this rosy picture of the Book of Acts. Of, oh man, this is, having the Holy Spirit is great and wonderful, and your life's going to be rosy. It may not be the case. But he will give you something that you need that you don't have. There's no shortage of need in our world. There's no shortage of need in our own personal lives. And we are in need of more power. I can promise you that. 
Now we can go for power and we can go for power kind of like Simon did. Remember that Simon guy we talked about? He went for the power because it was a neat thing. He'd never seen anything like that. It's pretty cool. I want some of that. And, you know, that's not the way it works, is it? It's power with a purpose in mind, isn't it? This is what I want for you. This is what I want for us. Is that you begin to shape your prayers into some of this language and say, Lord, you did it then. Do it in me. Fill me with your spirit. And immediately, does that mean you're going to speak in tongues? Well, I'll let him work on all that. What, what, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I really, I don't know what he's going to do with you. Not every instance they did speak in tongues. Not every instance did they, I mean, you know, in Paul's deal, it doesn't say, but we do know that Paul did, did speak in tongues. But the speaking in tongues is not the issue. It's the power that we can live in to see the kingdom of God advance and be effective. That's, that's the issue. Okay. You good? Let's pray. Lord, we ask you to baptize us in your spirit fresh and anew. Whatever that means for each one, Lord, we just pray that you would help us. You would empower us. You would strengthen us. We, we see these testimonies, these, these witnesses that went out, these folks that went out and did some pretty incredible stuff. And Lord, we don't want to waste our lives. Our community needs you. Our families need you, Lord. Our nation needs a group of people who have been filled with your spirit in such a way that it makes an impact and makes a difference. We need you to help us, Lord. Help us, fill us, Lord. What you had in mind when you said that you came to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, what you had in mind, Lord, do that for each one of us. And whatever that means for us, Lord, we'll let you work all that out. Thank you for walking with us, empowering us, helping us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.